When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another bonus short lecture from the History Teachers Talking Podcast, where Tom or I will lecture on big topics in little time. For more information, you can visit us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com or visit evergreenpodcast.com. On September 15th, 1896, the day of the main event. Spectators poured into the temporary town of Crush, Texas, paying $2 to travel there by train from anywhere in the state. By 10 a.m., a crowd of 10,000 had already arrived, and trains of people kept pulling up every five minutes. Men, women, and children, lawyers, doctors, merchants, farmers, artisans, clerks, representing every class and every grade of society, were scattered around the hillsides or clustered around the lunch stands, discussing with eager anticipation the exciting event that they had all come so far to see. The event turned out to be so popular that it actually had to be delayed, since trains were still arriving at the scheduled 4 p.m. showtime. Some 40,000 people came in total, briefly making Crush the second largest city in Texas. They were all there for what one newspaperman would call the most realistic and expensive spectacle ever produced for the amusement of an American audience. A gladiatorial battle between two 35-ton locomotives, which would any moment ram into each other at full speed in a pop-up town erected just for the occasion and named after the architect of the very idea, William George Crush. The economic depression of 1893 saw a quarter of the country's railroad companies file for bankruptcy. Within a few years, train companies would come up with ideas that would bring in the much-needed capital. It is important to note that staged train crashes as publicity stunts were not unprecedented. In May of the same year as the Texas crash, a successful crash had occurred at Buckeye Park in Illinois. The park was a newly established leisure destination accessible primarily by rail, and the railroad wanted grand event to promote it. The lure of witnessing a live train crash attracted around 20,000 spectators. While admission was free, the railroad profited by providing express trains to the event and charging for tickets. In 1896, William George Crush, a general passenger agent with the Missouri-Kansas-Texas Railroad, commonly known as MKT or simply Katy, was likely inspired by the success of the Buckeye Park event. With the MKT Railroad having recently replaced their engines with larger models, Crush saw an opportunity. After all, they had a surplus of smaller engines for which they had no use. Crush's bold idea was to orchestrate a crash and advertise it statewide, not only to generate revenue, but also to raise the profile of the railroad company. The event was heavily promoted through Texas. The engines were painted in bright colors and showcased in various towns across the state. The advertisements and newspapers further fueled interest in the event. Even Thomas Edison, the renowned inventor from New York, sent one of his photographers to document the event. Crush's spectacle would see two 35-ton locomotives ram into each other in a spectacle that would captivate the masses. William Crush managed to sway the Katy managers. For weeks leading up to the event, Crush and a fleet of workers scurried around the state in preparation. First, they found two 35-ton steam engines that were already retired 
to make way for the new 60-ton engines. He then commissioned them for the spectacle. After consulting with company engineers about the safety of the undertaking, he decided that the crash should be very safe. One particular engineer did suggest that the collision might cause an explosion, yet he was overruled by many others. Engine number 1001 was painted red with green trim, while its opponent, engine number 999, was painted green with red trim. A line of track was laid 15 miles north of Waco, Texas, just beyond the natural amphitheater of three tall hills. Crush ordered two wells to be drilled and ran pipes for spigots. Hired a man from Dallas to run a dozen lemonade stands, brought in tanks of artisan mineral water, and erected a restaurant and even a wooden jail that would be patrolled by 200 hired constables. But the main attraction of this temporary town, apart from obviously the trains themselves, was the row of carnival attractions, based on Chicago's popular 1893 World's Fair. The carnival games, medicine shows, cigar vendors, and other sideshows at Crush, Texas were highly anticipated. On the day before the exhibition, Special railroad officials stage a speed test of the engines to help predict the precise point of collision. Katie engineers then assured Crush that his grand idea was not only safe, but that the boilers of the steam engines had actually been designed to resist any form of ruptures from a crash, and were thus unlikely to explode. Each engine would pull six boxcars behind it. Because the couplers used to link the cars were considered unreliable, the cars were chained together to prevent them from coming apart during the impact. Now, Crush himself thought of the safety precautions and insisted on restricting the general public to a minimum of 200 yards away from the track itself. He did, however, allow members of the press to be within 100 yards so they could capture the amazing moment. Katy Railroad officials expected a crowd of between 20,000 to 25,000. But the clever marketing ploy was such an overwhelming success that the railroad sold out more than 30 special excursion trains to the event. And in the end, 40,000 people showed up. On the 15th of September, the day of the much-anticipated event, an influx of spectators poured into the temporary town of Crush, gladly parting with a $2 to journey there by train from every corner of Texas. By 10 a.m., the crowd of 10,000 had already gathered, and the trains just continued arriving every five minutes after that. The Galveston Daily News reported that men, women, and children hailing from various walks of life clustered around lunch stands, the conversations filled with anticipatory excitement about the extraordinary event they had traveled great distances to witness. In fact, so fervent was the public's interest in a scheduled 4 p.m. showtime that it had to be postponed because the trains just continued arriving. At 5.10, William George Crush himself made a grand entrance, mounted on a white horse. With a wave of his hat, he signaled for the trains to begin their run. The engineers and conductors on board these colossal locomotives set them in motion and then promptly jumped off to safety. They positioned themselves about 30 yards from the starting point. As the two engines approached, they accelerated at speeds of up to 50 miles per hour, each pulling a line of empty box carts behind them. And then, the collision. It was every bit as awe-inspiring as anticipated, but then it quickly descended into chaos. One reporter would later recount, a deafening crash, the sound of splintered timber followed by a dulge of splinters. There was a brief moment of eerie silence. Then, as if choreographed by a single impulse, both boilers detonated simultaneously. The air filled with flying projectiles of iron and steel, varying in size from as small as a postage stamp to as substantial as half of a driving wheel. The fragments fell indiscriminately into the crowd, striking the just and the unjust. 
the wealthy and the humble, the great and the small. Panic ensued, with thousands trying to flee or take cover. In the end, luckily, only two people lost their lives. However, hundreds were severely injured. The immediate consequences were unconventional by today's standards. Crush was fired right on the spot, but quietly rehired the next working day. Civil suits were settled out of court, with modest settlements and lifetime train passes given to those affected. While press coverage did exist, it was also not really extensive. In fact, the railroad company gained lots of money by their publicity stunt. The crash at Crush, as it was known, despite its tragedy, stands as a unique and bizarre chapter in history, a disaster from which little was learned. In the years following the event, stage train crashes continued to be organized, but none matched the terror and bloodshed of the crash at Crush. Its infamy lives on as a testament to a bygone era when spectacle sometimes overshadowed safety and reason. That September 15, the locomotives and their boxcars were reduced to scraps of wood and steel. One witness would later write, All that remained of the two engines and twelve cars were smoking mass of fractured metal and kindling wood, except one car on the rear of each train, which had been left untouched. The engines had both been completely destroyed, and contrary to experience in such cases, instead of rising in the air from a force of the blow, were just flattened out. There was nothing about the cars big enough to save except pieces of wood, which were eagerly seized upon and carried home as souvenirs. A historical marker, number 5315, a few miles from the site in West Texas, commemorates the event. It was put there in 1976 by the Texas Historical Commission. A stark reminder of the consequences of pushing the boundaries of safety and ethics in the name of spectacle and profit. Hope you guys enjoyed this short lecture. Tom and I will be back later this week with a full episode. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources, which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.